When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening and welcome to the Fatback 4 podcast for this Sunday night. The football is back. It's the Premier League. It's Liverpool. It's doing what they always do. And they go out and get three points against Norwich at Carroll Road yesterday. Um, but look, uh, we're gonna, we've are gonna we loads and loads and loads to talk about. Um, somebody has already pointed out that we're five minutes late. Listen, Shawnee five minutes ago looked like he was having a meeting with St. Peter at the Pearly Gates. So he had to sort his lighting. Um, Grace reckoned he's tanned a bit and was wondering should he turn up the lights in the background. Conroy was telling us about Steel Game, Iron Brew and something else that... Scotland love and are renowned for and um, I was ready lads I'm ready since 10 to 10 you know how it works um, but look Liverpool are back in Premier League action um, a Trina win away to Norwich and you know what it was great. Um, everything about it was great. The result, of course, but everything, in it, just everything around it, I thought was magnificent yesterday. Oh, the football from the start of the day, right through, was great. Um, Shawnee's with me, as I've said. Uh, Conroy is with us for the first time. And um, Grizz is with us as well after making it back from Norwich in one piece. Shawnee, I'm going to come to you first. Um, you know, the f- it's back. It's the first game of the season. Full grounds. You know, the big players back. Um, it was a big fuzzy feeling yesterday, Shawnee, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just having football back in its entirety was was unbelievable. Like even watching the the Brentford game the other night and seeing the stadium rocking, and you just think of all these missed opportunities that these clubs have had, and the fairy tale like Brentford to come up to play that first game in the Premier League with a full ground and a brand new mm. stadium. It just made us all so excited and then United won the league at half 12 and <laughs> it's just, and then the big dog is back. You just see Virgil trotting out half five and all the Reds there. You're looking at the lineup, you're looking at the bench and you're thinking, Jesus Christ, everybody has written us off and they forget exactly how good this team is. And in rootless fashion, Liverpool do what Liverpool do. And they just dispatched Norwich without even having to leave second gear. And the travelling cup, seeing the players celebrating, Salah sliding it. Gav, we could sit here waxing lyrical about it, but look, all I have to say is football is back the way we know and love it. And for someone who suffered for a long, long time with the shite that we'd been served up by Sky and the likes, shoveled down our necks, saying that it was real football and real passion. No beamed in crowd noise. Just raw emotion and passion, and it was absolutely brilliant. And credit to the Norwich fans as well, because they were absolutely brilliant yesterday as well. 
Yeah, it all made for it all made for and um great viewing and fairness and, and we could I, I'd happily sit here for an hour and a half just talking about how great it feels to have football back and um David Walsh straight in trying to get on Conroy's good side. He said still game is the greatest comedy <laughs> ever made. It is amazing. It is. I watched a good bit it's of that. Up it there. Is amazing. It's up there. It is up there. Um and Conroy will fight any of you um if you want to say different. <laughs> but but you're right in what you're saying, Johnny, like even Friday night. You know, Brentford against Arsenal and, you know, you're kind of going, could Brentford get something? And then you hear Lacazette and Aubameyang are out there. I don't know if it's COVID related, but they're out anyway. And you watch the game and, you know, Arsenal fl- show flashes, but Brentford are just in their face all the time. Like they must have been just, I'd say, like caged animals for like a week waiting to just get going against Arsenal. And, and you get the result and you're like, ah, oh, this is fucking amazing. In their new stadium. Well, I think it's a year old, but, you know, they're in the Premier League for the first time and, and you get that result. And, you know, Liverpool then just going out and we we'll get into the whole detail of the game, but just seeing Van Dyke and, and, you know, Salah, man, seeing them all and buzzing. You know, absolutely buzzing and playing off the emotion of the crowd. And, and Grizz, I'll come to you because you were at the game and, you know, you were at Carroll Road yesterday. And look, without getting into the game too much, Grizz, because we will get into it in a few minutes, but what would you say is the difference, Grizz, for those players? You know, when they have a couple, of, I don't know how many tickets Liverpool had, but 3,000. 3,000. So it must be a massive difference to come out to any ground, you know, even in a way ground with 3,000 euro fans against probably 20 or 25 odd of, of, of Norwich. But it must have been absolutely hopping there yesterday, Liverpool fans dying to get going and Liverpool players dying to have them there. Oh, as Shoney says, it was, it was that warm, fuzzy feeling back. As soon as those players came out to train, uh, warm up, I should say, sorry. Obviously, the first the keepers come out and it's just a total different feel. You can see, you know, you know when the players come out, and they always, and what what players always do when they come out is they jump up in the air, don't they, to get mm. that spring and feeling right. You could sense the jump was five inches higher suddenly, as soon as they were running to the way end. Don't get me wrong, Norwich fans played their part. It was a full, just basically yellow. All three quarters of the well, yeah, three quarters of the ground was full yellow. Um, I thought you were going to put the clip up where I was seen, but okay, no. fair enough. It's no. all right. That's all right. But um, but it was real. It was. It felt like a. It felt like real football again. It's been so so long. First the no crowds, then the sort of the the, the half not even half crowds, sort of third crowd and fake noises coming out of your TV studio. Uh, two TVs. Um, it was magnificent to be there. It was there was a, just a Norwich itself was an absolute. It was one of those quiet towns. We, I could, I couldn't, Gav, I couldn't find nowhere to eat for at least forty-five minutes. Like everything was closed, like food places were closed down. So it was a very quiet town. But as soon as we got into the ground, it was just like a different world. Um, and it was hopping. You know, Norwich were excited. The fans, you know, they're back in the Premier League, full house, and the and the Red Army, the away army. You know, shout out to them. They were absolutely magnificent. Where Barry Devaney, um, and I'm, I'm interested to see what Grizz thinks of this. He says, you know, in reference to players coming out and springing and and dying to get on the pitch, he says, like young calves getting out of the fi- out of the field in the summer. Grizz, do you want to make comment on that before we move no, on? No, exactly that. They oh, ran right. over okay. us. No, 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 exactly. Ran out to us, uh, all excited and like sort of just, you know, the, the love and the love and warmth was was two ways. It was only, it was not only um, us giving it to the to the players. The players actually felt the warmth back from the fans, and 
Oh man, it was emotional. It was. I'm not gonna lie. Even before the game, I was like in semi tears. Semi tears. Yeah, you know, semi tears when they're like sort of in your eyes. The water is in your eyes. Like, oh, so you're tearing up a bit. Man. Yeah, kind of thing. Okay. Um, Red Steve might be onto something. It might have been the fact you had no field for four, 45 minutes. Or uh, that. Could have been that, yeah. <laughs> um, Conroy, I'm going to come to you next. And you had a busy day on our channel yesterday because you'd done the build-up the, the build show. You'd done a watch-along show. And, like, for you watching it, even you know, with fans in the ground, the atmosphere, the VAR stuff seemed to go fairly smoothly. I, I thought the game moved a lot lot more or just seemed a lot more of a game of football rather than you know what's this decision what's that decision and it just you know that's how it felt over the last um i would say year anyway but what was it like watching it was it a different experience for you watching it with, with fans there and what it's meant to be that's we're literally watching a product yesterday that we're, we've got used to for so many years and it's been taken away for good reason i think over the last year or so or 18 months but what was it like for you no, absolutely. It was it was it was brilliant. As kind of similar to what um, Grizz was saying, it was like you felt the energy in the ground. I think obviously it's the first game as well. It's a promoted side, so that kind of added to it. Norwich back. Um, just I mean, Kev, who were actually doing a watch along, kind of alluded to they've changed their nets as well. So it was kind of like the old Norwich style. So you could just tell that the place was, was bouncing to be honest but I've got to be honest you mentioned about VR and there, I think there's a lot to go for if you look at like the, the European Championships how UEFA had, had kind of put an emphasis on the refs and the FA had kind of followed that to make the game flow better not be stop a start because it is a contact sport at the end of the day don't know if people forget about that even ourselves because we're hypocrites because we'll like appeal for every decision I felt the game flowed really well and out of all the games I would actually say Liverpool had probably the most stop and start moments and it still flowed pretty well compared to the other games and I actually I thought it was um, I think that actually added to it as well the fans being back it seems to flow more now because I think that's been passed down to the FA and it was it was great see just when um, Jota scored as well it was just to see that the fans celebrating that the players interacting with the crowd it just to me, it was it was a brilliant day, and I know I had a busy day, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it was a uh, it was excellent. But I, I think as well with VR, there's a good point, Gav. Uh, there's I think in the first half, Salah goes into a challenge with Cantwell, mm. and there's minimum minimum contact. It's never a penalty, but if that was last season, they would have spent five minutes deciding to look at it, and I just felt as a whole, it, the games just runs better because that's the way it should be. Last season, stop and start. It was like NFL at points. So I'm really, really happy that's the way that they're looking to go with, with this season. Yeah, and you know what? I th- you're right because even when I, with me watching it, I, not that VAR completely went away, but y- you very quickly got into a rhythm of watching it and going, this is a bit different. You know, you, you, you kind of very quickly got into that mindset that actually there is a difference here. You know, someone in the chat says there, Jesus, um, who knew it? The referees had it in them all along. And I think... It's taken. It's it's been a long struggle for them to be kind of told what to do and and how to um, bring this into play in in the proper way. And when you look at the European Championships and stuff, they're only emphasises it. But I did get that feeling yesterday, and maybe it was just a bit of romanticism in me that oh, you know, everything's the way it's meant to be, and I've kind of overlooked stuff. But now I thought, over looking at it, I thought this is flowing a little bit better. Does you know? Do you ever watch, you remember watching games last season, you kind of fall back in your chair going, oh, for fuck's sake, another decision. You know, you can either go and make another cup of tea because you're waiting on, on whatever's to be made, whereas yesterday's felt a bit different. But, Sean, I'll come back to you because um, Norwich started brightly. You know, Norwich started brightly. And um, I want, I'm going to put this, our, our line up on the screen for you because um, I think it's only fair. 
But when you look at when you look at our lineup, Shawnee, um, Allison, Trent, Matip, Van Dijk, Simakas, Milner, Keita, Oxley, Chamberlain. That's where the main talking points came. And Jota, Mane, Salah. What did you make of that? Yeah, oh, to, look. After the, the about the preseason games last week against Osasuna, and we were looking at who was going to play in the midfield, and we all thought that Fabinho was a dead cert to be the anchor in there in the midfield, and you were probably thinking Milner was definitely going to play in there on either side of Fabinho because he'd been ever present in preseason, and then Kate, who has been excellent in preseason, but I was surprised when I seen this lineup because. It was a midfield that I didn't see anybody picking previous to the game. Um, Chamberlain has looked very sharp in pre-season and Kate. So if you're looking at it, it was kind of, if you looked at based on pre-season, that was probably a team that was picked on mirror, the midfield especially, because Chamberlain had a really, really impressive pre-season and so did Kate. But I wasn't really worried because I didn't think that, I don't think Norwich will overpower many sides mm. uh, in midfield. season, And I think maybe Klopp looked at it that way. And probably said, I'm going to keep probably Fabinho and give him maybe a half an hour in the second half to just get the minutes in his legs and probably not overexert anyone. Yeah. And uh, we didn't even need to put Thiago or Henderson on the bench. And even then, the bench looked strong. So with Robertson being out the back four picks itself, and then the front three, you think maybe Bobby would have got a shout after his, his impressive run out uh, during the week. But look, the the 11 done exactly what it was, did was set out now I thought the midfield was a little bit loose in the first half uh, I don't think Chamberlain was as effective as he had been in pre-season he looked a lot more explosive in the games but he did alright he did his job I think Milner did his job and I thought Naby Keita was very very quietly effective um, he's, he did a job for Liverpool that I haven't actually seen him do since he came in he was he was like a terrier he done very well covering Simicast it was his first game and I thought he got around the pitch. I thought he was everywhere. And you looked, he seemed to be always involved. And that's all you can ask for for Naby Keita. And he played 80, 80 minutes as well. And he looked fine, he looked fresh. So um, he definitely deserved his, his starting place, I think, in the eleven. And I think if he keeps it up the way he is, nobody will have any quarrels whatsoever about Naby Keita because the type of player he is. We know what sort of quality he has. Um it's just about staying fit now. And thankfully, this is the longest run he's had, including the end of last season up until now, he's had to, to play in the team. And he's done really, really well. So long may that continue. And then the front three, they just speak for themselves. Salah is Salah. Jota was quiet but rootless as always. And I thought Mane is starting to look more and more like himself every time I see him. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, I think that's I think that's a very fair assessment. Grizz, when, when you look at that lineup, you know, you're around the ground. You're, you know, you're probably getting the reaction of people going as you're going in the ground. Um, and while you're in the ground, people around you and stuff like that. But you know, a lot of people did think Fabinho would start. I, I wasn't sure because we've seen a lot of Milner, Kate, um, Elliot, and I thought he might. I wasn't too surprised at what he done, Grizz, because when you look at you look at Fabinho, Firmino aren't back that long. You know what I mean? The, the both of them aren't back that long, like that, and you kind of. He's looking to keep it fresh and protect them. You see, where Henderson and, and Thiago not in the squad. But what was the feeling there? What was the feeling for you? Because were you worried? Because I I wasn't surprised, but I was maybe a little bit worried that what way is he going to do? What I was worried with Milner into six. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised. No, um, I, I had a sneaky feeling that 
Milner would start. Um, but the feeling of Milner starting was, as Shawnee says, one of the eights on either side of Fabinho. Um, I thought I, I thought that's where he would most likely start, especially if, obviously, with Simicas starting. You, you do know, every show. Yeah, well, I've told you to get me a new one. You refuse. But, um, <laughs> but, but uh, and I'm stubborn. So, look, um, the lineup. We've come to terms with lineups, haven't we, over the years in terms of he always brings a couple of surprises early on the season. A lot of players coming back um, recently, sort of namely Henderson, Thiago. There was never any chance of them starting. Oxlade Chamberlain, as as Shawnee says, looks sparkle, uh, sparkling in, tra- in, in, in pre-season, but unfortunately was probably the most, most quiet struggle to impose himself on the game. Look, Milner was steady. Uh, Keita, I know we're going to probably touch upon in depth later. Keita done exactly what was asked of him, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, pretty much everything else uh, worked to treat. Um, again, I thought Bobby might have started. I thought his cameo the other day um, was 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 some of the best football Bobby's played. Like you, you could tell Bobby's even like when it comes to talking about fans and players that rise to the occasion, Bobby's the king. Bobby's the king. When it comes to, you know, p- p- playing in front of an audience, um, he's a maverick. And uh, But yeah, lineup-wise, I had an inkly feeling, um, you know, inkly, inkling that Milner would start, but I was, like you, surprised it was at the six. But again, um, he's the most experienced um, and he always tries to have at least one of Hendo or Milner on the pitch uh, in an important game. And, you know, so it turned out to be Milner. Yeah, Conroy, um, I'm going to come to you next because the lineup itself for me, you have yourself muted there by the way, Conroy. You might want to just unmute yourself. Um, but the lineup for me, like Sean, he says, the back four picks itself. I think once you see VVD go from 20 to 40 to 60, 70 minutes in games, you know he's starting. Um, it was just a case of who would start with him. And I think Matt was being impressive in preseason and played possibly the most out of the other, the other three. Um, the midfield three, Look, he goes with it because of circumstances around other players and, and coming back from the Euros and, and stuff like that and Copa Americas. And up front, the same thing, really. You know, he's had Mane, Salah and Jota. Um, two for the full pre-season, one for, you know, the other one was back probably a week before the Brazilian lads. So it was one of those where it made sense. But, you know, everyone reacts to the to, to lineups. Conroy, everyone, you know, it, it, it just yeah. it's it's in us. So whenever we see a, a lineup, we have to have a big reaction one way or the other. What way were you on it? I was okay on it actually. I just because of I'd spoke to um, a few people a couple of days before, and I did think that it'd be Milner, Kata, but I didn't think Ox would start. I thought it'd be Fab with one of them. Mm-hmm. However, I'd, it's not going to be our midfield for the rest of the season. I was aware it's not going to be a midfield threat season. We just had to get through this game. And I think Klopp, as I said previously, looked at it as a calculated risk. It's Norwich at Carra Road. It's not even been disrespectful because I actually thought Norwich midfield, specifically the Scottish international Billy Gilmore, was very good at times. But I think the midfield done enough. They dealt with it quite well. Um, I would actually, just to add to Shawnee's point about Keita, we talk about the stats, 95% passing, you know, one, one chance created. I feel like maybe... I don't know if this is maybe reaching because it's only one game now, but Keita was bought in to be this player. I don't know if Klopp's accepted that that's never going to be the case with him, but just through either injuries or, or whatever you want to say. 
if he's maybe going to try and look to him, he said he was like Terrier-like, if he's maybe going to try and look to see if he can maybe not be a genie replacement, but maybe more play the genie style, you know, retaining the ball and just keep it flowing instead of being, you know, breaking the press, etc. So be interesting to see if he goes with that in, in the future. But overall with the midfield, I, I was okay with it. There's a few people, <laughs> I would say it was 50-50 in the comments. I think um, Chris Brack will, will agree with that. <laughs> Some people were, were not happy with it. But at the end of the day, that's why he's one of the best managers in the world. He thought we had enough and it proved it. Plus he put Firmino on. You know, he gets criticised last season for making wrong decisions. That substitution was perfect. The timing was perfect. We felt there was maybe a gap between our midfield and, and the front three. Firmino comes on within, I don't know, five, ten minutes. 2-0, game over. Let's take the points and get up the road. So, yeah, I thought, yeah, overall, Klopp's decision-making was superb yesterday. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, when we get on to the subs later and the impact the likes of Firmino has. But, Shani, I said it to you a minute ago, um, because I made a mistake, I'm going to be honest with you, but I'll come back to it. Um, Norwich started brightly. And sorry, Sean, I'm going to have to, I'm unmuting you now. There's a little bit of feedback from you, so we probably have to mute and unmute you as we go, right? But Norwich started well, and w- was it was it something you were expecting? You know, like Conroy said earlier, Norwich are back in the Premier League. You know, the yellow nets are back. Um, you know, the whole place is yellow and green everywhere, probably like all traffic should be, but you don't have the nerve. And, um, you know, we, is that something you're expecting, the first 10, 15, 20, where... You know, they're going to come out and they're going to have a right go just to see what they can get out of it. Maybe grab a goal and hold something to hold on to for whatever, 70, 75 minutes. Yeah, Gab, I think absolutely every away side in the Premier League this week would have been expecting the same thing because you need to look out like we aren't the only ones who didn't have fans, of course. So Norwich again, similar situation to Brighton, uh, Brentford coming back up, full grounds again and They've done a lot of business, uh, Norwich, you know what I mean? And they backed Daniel Fark and they gave him a new contract and the, the whole crowd are very much behind him there and what he's trying to do and the style of football that he plays, it's exciting. And the place was buzzing. You only had to look at the, the build-up to the game. And look, if there's anyone who could deal with that, though, it's it's this Liverpool side. And when you looked at the spine of that team, Gav, you know, they're, they're not faced. They've done it on the biggest stage across every single tournament of a 38-game seasons, Champions League finals, semi-finals. They've done it all, you know what I mean? So if there was a team that was never going to be faced by that, it was definitely us, especially with our, with the bones of us spine back, with Matip there, Van Dijk there, and Alisson there, you know what I mean? So I, th- I felt we dealt with it. Um, we took the we kind of took the sting out of them. And without being great, we started just to assert, assert ourselves as the game went on, very much a 19-20 Liverpool performance, one that we come very accustomed to, just putting the foot on the trout and slowly, slowly, slowly draining the life out of Norwich and just relying on a little bit of quality and and, and luck in, in case of the force goal because, look, I'm not sure Salah means t- to touch that into Jota's path, but again, the ball is so close to the keeper and Jota didn't have much to do in the game before that, but he's, he's like a light on the end of it and bang, just bangs her in. Like Robbie Fowler-esque, just Dead eye dick, as Brian Kerr would call him in the box. You know what I mean? Uh, and from then, we just we never looked too uncomfortable. That, Norwich had a few moments when maybe the high line was probably giving us issues again. But again, they go through on goal and Ali Allison's there and the R black kit again. And there's just serious 1920 vibes coming off that Liverpool performance yesterday. Even though it's only one game, we do seem to have a bit between between our teeth and. The build-up over the whole week of us being written off, written off by from all corners and 
only top four contenders. That that would have been ringing around that dressing room on Saturday evening, no doubt about it. And look, rootless, efficient three points on the road. Can't ask for more than that. No, you really can't. Grizz, um, I'm going to let you have this one. And it's this. <clears throat> that fella comes out on the pitch yesterday. And I can guarantee you, right, that if he's not on the pitch yesterday, Norwich believed he'd probably have 20, 30, 40% more of a chance against Liverpool yesterday. But Virgil van Dijk is on that pitch yesterday. And you can already see the attitude from Liverpool players as to how they're going to approach a game. And the attitude from an opposition point of view as to how they're going to approach a game. Because that man is on the pitch. Is that too much of a stretch for me, Chris? No, it's not. It's actually spot on, to be honest with you, Gav. Um, dismayed, disheartened when you see this guy line up in the opposition lineup. Um, at the end, uh, Pookie went up to Virgil and he was like, just put his hand on his shoulders like that. Like, why did you have to, to play today? Like, you know, this guy, I said it in the preview shows that we've done, and in Carnage, I said, I said, if there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Virgil's starting, there was doubts. Even some of the journalists were saying, oh, he might start with Konate and Matip. Um, but in my, I thought there was no chance of him not starting. That's how Klopp sees him more than a just a, a the world's best centre back. He sees him in, he sees him as an absolute leader, a colossus, an aura about him. As you say, not only for our players, lifts our players and brings others down. I mean, they felt like paupers, honestly. Every time an attacker goes up against him, he thinks to himself, I'm just, I'm just here for the fun of it. You know, I might as well be in the crowd. Like, fuck, what is this? This is not fair. <laughs> like, no, honestly, they might have just joined us in the crowd. It, he's, he's that immense. And I personally think Joel Matip was the outstanding centre-back of the game. Like, immaculate. Yeah, I thought he was. Uh, you know. Yeah. He's, he's, this might be a wild chat, but some people might in the chat might remember Alan Hansen and the way he played. This guy reminds me of Alan Hansen. I'm not even joking. The way he's calm and runs out with the ball and picks out his passes. A lot of Alan Hansen about him. I know he's not, he's a, he's a bit of a joker in terms of personality and character. A bit weird, some people say, but he was immaculate. But Virgil van Dijk next to him, um, the inspiration the inspirational words. Imagine Simicast making his debut after what was a crappy season for the filler. COVID injuries written off even by journalists, local journalists saying, oh, you know, was this a waste of money, whatever. So he must have been under pressure. A lot of people um, um, uh, look at Simicast and say, you know, he was brought in as Robbo's understudy. And so you'd think that, you know, the amount of people that were sort of looking out for him to fail almost like, oh, we need we need a new left back, you know, but this guy was under pressure and having Virgil alongside him was key. And I think that was one of the major reasons why I didn't see Konate and, and Simicast playing on the left side, two total newbies. Um, but yeah, Virgil, you know, at the end, you know, when he came over to the crowd, you could see, you know, as Shawnee says, it's fucking day one. It's, it's game week one. It was Norwich, but you have this sense of feeling that, the nineteen twenty feeling, uh, the the nineteen twenty season gave you, um, just has that air of invincibility with him around, even though he was literally he was seventy five percent. I mean, I know 
I know a couple of times Norwich seemed to get behind us, but I genuinely think they were offside. I just think the the linesmen have been told not to to, to sort of raise their flag. Um, but overall, immaculate his passing. I mean, even from the you know, of course you guys watched it, but even in that first five minutes when he's just pinging it across, you just so it's a total different dimension to the way we play um, and attack. Um, you know, they tried their best to press us as you guys said initially, because the crowd was really, you know, uh, pushing them on. But we just we just kept hold of the ball and just calmed the, the atmosphere down. And I, I didn't hear the atmosphere. I didn't hear the Norwich fans sing after 15, 20 minutes when they realised, right, we've got a stranglehold. And a lot of that was to do with Virgil van Dijk from the back. It was. And, and look, to have him back, and, Matt, and look, it's a squad game. So to have them all fit is brilliant. And we can, the only argument we're having every week is which brilliant defender where we going to play at centre-back. That's the argument you want as the season goes on. You don't want, look, is Jordan Henderson going to have to play centre-back or is Reese Williams and, and Nat Phillips going to have to play the last 10 games of a run-in and stuff like that. No disrespect to them. But to have that sort of argument now where you're going in going, VVD, Matip, you know, finger, everything crossed from that he stays fit. Gomez on, on on the comeback and Canate coming in. It's a brilliant argument to have every week. It's the one you want to have rather than one you you kind of need to have when when things, especially last season, were happening. So it's really really good. But do you know what I noticed, Conroy? And I don't know if if I'm right in this, but for me, Cantwell is a, is a really 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 good footballer, and I think part of Liverpool's turning of this game after probably 15 where Norwich were running on adrenaline and trying to grab something and hold on to it in my opinion was how brave we were with regards to Trent Alexander-Arnold and what I mean by that is and Shawnee mentioned I think it was Shawnee mentioned it yesterday he said Todd Cantwell was bursting his bollocks yesterday just to keep up with Trent Alexander-Arnold in the defensive point of view was that really brave mm-hmm. from Liverpool? Was because that, that's something I seen where it just be like, "There's Trenties the outball. There's Trenties the outball." And Cantwell, instead of gambling, knew I have to go back here because this guy is just phenomenal. You see with the first goal, the ball into the side, <clears throat> but he's so good that you can actually by you can actually shut Norwich's best player down by being brave and going air fullback is amazing and let's trust him to go forward. And this fella has to follow him. I thought that was a massive deal in the first half, especially. No, no, absolutely. And I think there's there's been a few examples of that over last season. There was examples as well, but previous the last couple of seasons that I think Trent gets a hard time. And, and yes, I wouldn't say he's, he's he's amazing defensively, but he does he does. If you watch just to have a, a Trent cam on his movement for a full game, he pushes up. He also he, he's pressing. It's, as you say, it's like a bit like a cat and mouse. But see, because everyone in the world knows that he's that great, that he's going to have to go back. I think in the first half, Gav, even before the goal, there's maybe about three or four times he'd had time to whip a ball in already. So you could tell that after those occasions and the goal, that Norwich were like, we can't we can't allow that anymore. And I feel like maybe second half, he noticed he had a few occasions, but not as much. So I absolutely agree, Gav. When you've got a, a right-back like that, who the media is desperate, desperate to find weaknesses and put him down. They can't just try and applaud especially the English media, of what a talent they've got, like unbelievable for his age. People actually forget the age of Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I think the defensive parts where people be questioned slightly, I actually think in a couple of years that'll be eradicated as well. But as a player, absolutely, when you've got that threat in your team, it just, that in itself, playing cat and mouse down that, that wing, just it's going to give you advantage straight away. So they, they can be brave as well, but nine times out of ten, Liverpool are going to come out on top. Yeah, and, and it's like you can be brave by saying, right, I'll leave Cantwell up. 
but it's not like it's not like you're saying I'm being brave and we we we'll keep an eye on Salah. This is our fullback that are going is yeah. going to hurt you. Not forget the front three and forget lads that can go from midfield. This is the fullback that can hurt you so much when he gets. And I mean, within fifty yards of goal, he'll kill you. He'll kill you if you can see a pass. He's he's but, unbelievable. He's but isn't it isn't it interesting, guys, that how how Pep Guardiola is credited with bringing fullbacks as playmakers, sort of, you know, he's the inventor. So Cancelo we saw last season. We saw Kimmich before. Is it Kimmich? No, Lam he used, didn't he, originally? Yeah, Lam. Yeah, yeah. Guys, where, 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 where does Trent rank amongst those? Because for me, at the rage he's at and the, and the progression, you know, he's showing, you know, Jurgen Klopp and his team should be credited for having, you know, created a formation uh, and a style of play which involves your right back being your chief playmaker. And at the age of whatever we said, how old is he, lads? Did you say 21? <laughs> I thought he's 23. I'm not even joking. I thought he's 23 or something. He's 21 years old and he's the best playmaker from the right, from right back. I mean, genius club and, and, and well played Trent and the coaches who thought of him, you know, I can't recall who's the coach that sort of, um, you know, we've discussed it on the pod before. Uh, it was the it was the under twenty one coach, In, actually In- uh, Alex Singlethorpe, yeah, who said that you know, and what a what a transition because the kids absolutely, and you know what, guys, he fucking looks a unit. I saw him close up. He absolutely, yeah. you know, like, yeah, he, he looks yeah. a unit now. He can actually, and he was, and he was because that Miller Rashika is a is a tasty he, little player. Um, bounced off him yesterday. Bounced off him, guys. Like Trent looks like a Trent almost looks like he's he's I don't think he will, but he almost looks like he can transition into central midfield now and be that DM if needed to be as well. He was, he was absolutely brilliant to see. Laura Duffy oh, says he's 22, turns 23 in October. Um, Sean is going to have a word on him. I think he'll go down as the best fullback Liverpool has ever seen if he stays at the club till the end of the He'll go with the best fullback in the Premier League at this rate, to be honest. The Premier League's ever seen. But, he, he, yeah, but you're right, Sean, he's not a fullback. He's he's, he's he, on the pitch, he's down on the sheet as a fullback, but he's literally yeah. a right-sided playmaker. That's what he is. Like, but lads, yeah, but he'll still be a right-back in a formation. Yeah, so it's, oh, yeah, yeah. On, on the sheet he is, yeah. You're yeah. looking at a fella who has the same creative output as Kevin De Bruyne, who is arguably one of the greatest creative players the Premier League has ever seen. And he's rivaling him in, in all departments. And look... Like you said, like Grace said, Klopp has created a system because if you actually look, Andrew Robertson is actually not too far behind in that regard. Exactly, like I was going to add that. Chance he's created, he's always up there. So, the thing is, the, the one person who will be more grateful than any that Virgil is back uh, is Trent because with with Trent, with Virgil's distribution, it just means those boys can go 10 yards higher again and he has both of those there and he can be exactly in those positions where midfielders don't know whether they should be tracking them, wingers don't know whether they should be tracking them, and fullbacks don't know whether they should be getting close to them. And I thought last year the kind of link-up with Trent and Salah down that side was lacking a little bit, but they seemed to even have that going again. Salah was willing to just pop her off in and around the corner, into into Ox, back into Trent. Um, you need to remember, we normally have Henderson on the right side of that uh, in the eight, and he does an awful lot of the dog work for Trent, which allows Trent to do what he does. And he didn't even have to do that yesterday because Milner was so effective at just slotting in there when he needed it. So again, we we went on about the eleven, but Klopp, this is what this is why he earns his crust. You know what I mean? He, he, 
he just set it up perfectly. And again, Trent, like Grizz said, physically he's grown. I think the maturity he plays with for a player with his age, you'd forget, like like Conroy said, how young he is, but the experience he has is worth more than anything. And then on top of that, the quality he has on the ball. Like I was watching the game yesterday with United fans and they're fawning over him. It's Beckham-esque. It really is. That's how good his delivery is. Yeah, He's incredible. I, I'm just delighted he's ours. And the, the fact we spoke about it yesterday, I was talking about the Dicko, and it's a, it's a lad who's living the dream. And a lot of the scousers have gone in, like the likes of John Flanagan and Jay Spearing. It's great for young lads, local lads, to be playing for Liverpool. But to be playing for Liverpool and be the best in the world in your position, playing for your local team, the lad is literally living the dream. I'm just... He's, he's my favourite player in this current Liverpool side. Yeah, he's he's unbelievable. I I was actually um, I uh, I was talking to a Leeds a Leeds and and a United fan that watched the, the their game yesterday together, and um, I ended up meeting up with them later on last night, and asking them, you know, we were talking about the football, and and they said they'd watched. I didn't watch the Liverpool Norwich game with them, um, but they just turned around and and they were they were going on about Salah and stuff like that, but. The, Trent's going to mention and from a Leeds fan and United fan going he's just he's phenomenal you know he's as one of the lads said to me it's a long time since I've seen a fella get a ball as a right back 60 yards from the opposition goal and you're looking going there could be a chance here because that's the way they feel about it they're like every time he gets it you're thinking he's going to see something he's going to see something and he's going to hit something diagonally or over the top or down the side and Liverpool are going to be in and I think that's that's where that's like that's the the esteem that's that he's held in at the moment because he genuinely looks like he's dangerous from anywhere, anywhere, and in any in any sort of circumstance, you know. But uh, into the game itself, and 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 Grizz, I come to you. Um, Jota gets the first goal. I think the keeper's poor. Um, Trent's involved. Salim doesn't <coughs> control the ball properly, but gets an assist. Fancy football people, um, which I was delighted with. Uh, but um, the keeper's not great. But Jota is so quick onto it, Grizz and. He's just always cold, isn't he? He's just, I'll just put it in the net. Yeah, look, the comparisons obviously naturally are made with him and Bobby Firmino and they're both absolutely different types of players and they bring both bring different aspects and things to the game. Um, and that's what Jota brings. Like just that, like just watch that goal and that is Diogo, Diogo Jota. That is him. Um, as you said, ice cold. There was absolutely no thought of him getting a touch, doing a shimmy, flicking it up, doing anything else apart from just smashing in the back of the net. And he's ice cold. Um, he's uh, he's um... so look. He's got aspects of his game that that he needs to develop, and he's at the right club for that. The coaches will be working with him because his overall look. Even though he was smashing. When he came in last season, he played in a slightly different position where he came off the left, uh, used his pace and power against fullbacks. But if he's going to play through the middle and if we're going to play the same formation in midfield uh, with a DM and two eights, then in my humble opinion, he will have to tweak aspects of his game and, and become more, become better in his link-up play, etc. Uh, his movement. Sometimes he would move into sort of Salah positions, a position Salah likes to get into in terms of that inside right. But that will come. That will come the more he plays with these guys. You've got to remember our three are fixed in stone for four, five, three, four years now. And for a newcomer to make the impact that he's made, you know, it's it's a credit to him. 
And yeah, that goal was just pure typical Jota. If anybody wants to know what what kind of striker Jota is, just show him that goal, and they'll get, you know, real football people will get an idea of what you're talking about because there was, that was a no frills. Instinctively knew where the ball was, bounce, reaction, boom, goal, and that's him. I've I've a super chat here from um, Plus Battery. Um, who and it won't go up on the screen for some reason, so I'm going to read it out, and um, you'll know it's read out. But he said it's favorite channel and favorite show, Liverpool uh, win. Blessed with a baby boy this morning, and he's a long term viewer of this channel. Um, blessed with a baby boy this morning. Would like to donate twenty pound to Sienna. Um, will do- donate on the GoFundMe page. Keep up the good work. Sorry that I can't get that up on screen for some reason, but um, uh, congratulations on the baby boy and the Liverpool win yesterday. Um, from all of us at the LFC Day Trippers, my man. Um, let's move on. Because the Jota goal puts us in front and I was delighted because I always get the feeling this gets to half time or gets to 60 and then it's doubts come in and then anything can happen. Regardless of how much better you are them, anything can happen. So um, it gets to half time and I'm happy. 1-0. It's all right. It's good. It's the first day of the season. You're not expecting to go out and blow anybody away, away from home and newly promoted side. There's a lot, there's a lot in the mix. But um, I thought Liverpool were in control. But, Sean, I'll come to you. Firmino comes on, and I'm not a big fan of Firmino off the bench. I think when he when he comes off the bench, he, take, he can sometimes take a bit of time to get into a game. <laughs> but he took fuck all time yesterday, Sean. Um, he comes on the pitch, he runs up the other end, and he just sticks it in the net. And um, It's a poor shot from, from Mane. Um, it's, a, it's an okay block. But it pops to, to Salah, and he's being... There's been an accusation thrown on him, Shani, that he's, he's too greedy at times. But straight away, Shani, right foot, squared across, and Firmino's tapping it in, and you're like, yes, 2-0. And you're, then you're sitting back, Shani, and you're enjoying your point a bit more then. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever see those game shows, like you being framed, and it stops before it goes on a break, and I ask you, what happens next? Yeah. If you had done a freeze frame of that that goal, the way it played out, and you see the ball roll at the Lob and I ask you, what happens next? You're thinking Mao cuts inside and places it in the bottom corner, but always cold, Mao. I think it's his I think it's his first touch. He does he does it with the foot, he does it just one touch, he just pulls it back right into Firmino's pad mm. uh, yeah. and it's it's a tap in and it, it seems to me that I'd, I'd imagine Mao has already signed that new contract because it doesn't look like he's on that incentive voice tra- yeah, <laughs> bonus yeah, anymore. Yeah. Because the amount must be guaranteed of, money. Yeah. He's passing the ball. The, and all it, now. I think I think it's guaranteed money now. Yeah, because he was getting the head up and looking for the boys for the whole <laughs> the whole uh, second half trying to get Mane involved. And yeah, it was just great to see the three of them linking up after sort of a, a shitty year for them collectively last year. I think as a as a three. To see them all involved and breaking forward again, like like the mighty ducks, like stuff you'd see in the bleeding Disney Channel, Roy the Rover stuff. The, the three boys, what we've come to know, and he just pulls it back and Bobby to get his goal again, and it's just great. It, yesterday couldn't have went any better, really, if, if you ask me. Clean sheet, the players who are scored, who have scored, Bobby coming off the bench, Fabinho comes in at, I think he comes on at sixty and just shores everything up. You see the difference he makes when you have a Milner there who's deputising to having an absolute, an elite hold of midfielder. And what Fabinho has that a lot of midfielders don't hold the midfielders have is that range of passing. And you see now, like, can't they can get the ball for Chelsea and teams don't do anything. But when Fabinho gets the ball, you see defensive lines. Oh, we, we, we're probably going to have to drop here because this fella could just 
give the, the fullback a haircut and the, the right back is in and the left back is in, he's just going to clip one of them balls. And it's these dimensions, Gav, that having that spine of the team allows us the way to play. And then the front three only have to do what they always do. And look, where do we start that Mo Salah? I was getting carried away yesterday, but I'm going to put it out there. I genuinely think he's the best player we've ever had. Ever? Ever. Okay. Just, Gav, to be... To be that consistent for at that level, the only thing that goes against him is the first year was a record. Look, I'm just about to say it. The first year he has is a record-breaking season. And everything he's done after that was kind of held in comparison. And he, he's never really reached those heights. But you need to realise, nobody ever reached those heights before. He's the most disrespected footballer in the history of the Premier League. I don't care what anybody says. The fella is off the scales. Good. It's ridiculous. What, he, he gets the ball yesterday and he turns three or four Norwich fellas inside out and then he's two on goal. And then what does he do? He tries to pull it back across. Mao looks hungrier, hungrier than anybody in that squad to me. And he looks happy. He looks happy. He, there's no real external lawyers. You could see last year when he was selling, he looked a bit grumpy. People are saying about the lack of celebration, but he looks at home. He looks like a fella who knows that the rest of his years are going to be played out at Liverpool and he looks comfortable and happy in his environment and his surroundings. And a happy mo is a dangerous mo. And a dangerous mo will just mean that we're always, always, always going to be in the room with this fella in our team once he's fit because he is literally ridiculous when you compare his numbers to any striker in the history of the Premier League in the same sample size he's right up there that's how good he is and I just I hope this is the year that he really gets his flowers because he's elite he's as elite as elite gets could I could I add something to that as well, um, Gav? Just on that, the thing I think Mo Salah's biggest quality is because <coughs> we're all Liverpool fans who watch him, and let's not act like Mo Salah um, isn't an enigma at times. Like he does stuff that's baffling at times. Like yesterday, he's one on one. You need to shoot, and he tries to square it. And there's times where he shoots when he should square it. But the thing I've always noticed about Mo Salah is he's not. He doesn't consistently play amazing in every game. Like Leeds last year, that hat trick. That's a one-off. He doesn't actually play like that all the time, but he always consistently seems to score when he's not playing well, which if you were a number nine, you'd say is amazing. But Salah seems to have that quality. And what I mean is he maybe plays well 70% of the games or maybe 80%, but he will have a few games where, you know, he's, he's okay, but he always scores. He always seems to turn up in clutch moments when we need, when you talk about 1920 last season, uh, 1920 season, Sean, and it's just like moments. He just seems to have that in him that, when tough gets going he just turns up so I think that's the biggest thing if you look I think there's a stat that said he's got more goals than Harry Kane and I don't know if it's a number of games or whatever over the last three years I can't remember the exact stat but I just feel like that that's one of his biggest talents as well not playing well and still having an effect on the game but all you guys have said is 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 the is the is the is the positive things in terms of what we see um, you know we know about him so so facts Right, so stats are facts, right? We see, you, you look at the numbers and they're fucking insane, right? But what what I've noticed um, at the end of last season and obviously the start of this season, in the preseason as well, lads, he's become a leader of this team now. 
So before it was Mo Salah coming from Italy and trying to create an impact and, and it was a comeback tour, so to speak, after his Chelsea situation. So he was trying to regain, um, what's the word, you know, just regain some recognition. Like, you know, he wasn't a flop. He surpassed that now. He's on a level where he actually believes that he's he is the leader of this team along with Virgil and Henderson, if you know what I mean. He's actually got an influence on the team now in terms of you see his reactions when the team can see the goal or something's going wrong and he's trying to put something right. He's directing. Even when Elliot came on, he was talking to him all the time. Um, his fullback, Trent, the communication they've got with him and obviously um, and obviously the much-talked-about relationship with Sadio. And you talk about how he's trying to find him. He was actually trying to, to – you could see that. You know, he could have done that you know, cut back on his right and then just put into the bottom corner. But he was trying to make, it was almost like he's trying to make Sadio score. So all front four scored a goal. Can you imagine the lift that would have given the, the group, the manager, the fans, the much talked about front four, we need a new attacker, you know, we need this, we need that. And then all front four, he sees this, he knows this. His understanding of the club and the, and the situation around uh, the club in terms of media and everything is spot on now. Some could have accused him in the past of not knowing what's going on and just thinking about himself and the golden boot. But now he has absolutely everything under control. Um, I agree. I, I, with, look, in terms of the greatest Liverpool player, let's let's wait for him to end his career. But in, for me, he, he will go down as the greatest Liverpool attacker, for sure. Big shouts. Big shouts. Yeah, pe- people are... Throwing in Dalglish and all that. And look, I'm telling you now, I never seen any of them play, so this is my opinion. So I'm not going to give you the opinion on a Dalglish or a Rush when I wasn't born around to see them play. YouTube highlights, they don't do anything for me. I have watched Mo Salah being scrutinised every single game. The game has never been more picked apart than it is now by media and outlets. And look how consistent he is. Look how consistent he A bad year is a 30-goal season. The fella is off the chat. He pulled us by the ankles to top four last year. And people don't talk about it. We all talk about Thiago in the last 10 games. Who was the one scoring on the big goals? Mo Salah. He's always been the one scoring on the big goals. He's never hit. He's done it on every single stage. He's delivered every trophy. And maybe the greatest, but definitely what Chris says, without doubt, the best attacker we've ever had, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it, it's a very it's a conversation we should probably have um, as its own show at some stage. Michael Lee with the super chat says, "Hi guys, Jota is a more, more clinical finisher. Out of him and Bobby, would you like to see a four-two-three-one, especially at home? Bobby in the hole and Mane, Jota, Salah. I, I don't know." I don't know, because then that changes the roles of what you would see from the likes of a Thiago or a Fabinho. I think we're well suited. And I think with, I think that's why you're probably seeing Harvey Elliott playing in that midfield to be that little bit of a, um, you know, a creative spark, I suppose, because our players are usually just, you know, functional as the word that's often used about them. I don't know. We might, Michael, we may see changes to, to formations um, at home against lower, lower ranked sides, I suppose, where you, you could probably play the four of them because if you remember, we went and played the four of them away at Man City. Um, that time we did. And the first chance we got, we went and we said to see focus here. The, the four boys are going on the pitch and let's see how we get on. And, you know, 
I think Klopp will play the four of them if he if he if he feels he needs to. I don't think he's afraid to. Um, the last place you think you'd do it would be at the Etihad, but but that's what Klopp went and done. And and Grizz has said it many times um, on this show and other shows that he feels Thiago and Jota were brought in to be a new look kind of Liverpool with the four playing, you know. And so I think it could be absolutely something that you would see. But can I can I ask? Uh, Chris, I'll ask you on this, and it's the last thing on Salah before we move on, because we're nearly an hour in, and I want to talk about a couple of players before we leave. And It's a phenomenal record he has um, with regards to the opening day of the season. It's a phenomenal record he has at Liverpool, full stop. You know, the, the goals and, and the assists and the invol- goal involvements and the per games and stuff like that is outrageous. But we did see, we have seen parts of Salah's game where, like Shawnee says there, it drops to him yesterday, and you think, if you pause that and go, go back a couple of months, you think, He's definitely take, trying to take it inside or he's snapping at it with his right foot or whatever. He, he's going for goal. He doesn't care about anyone else. Do you think the fact that he, he squares that is that part of it is he's, there's nearly more of a comfort zone the players are in? And what I mean by that is that six months ago, he would have tried to take that on and score because this might be the only chance we have. And look, we're playing at the back and we're not playing well and the midfield is a reshuffle. Whereas now he's going... I can pass it inside. I'll get another chance in five minutes because the team we have on the pitch now is the team we're used to. Is, is there an element of that to it? There's a, that goes back to our original uh, chat we had about Virgil. It honestly yes. does. Yeah. It honestly does. It's like you've got your big brother back and you're just calm. Your big brother's there to watch over you. Not only him, obviously, you know, Joe Matip and whatnot and the rest of the team as well. It's looking, everything's fine. And it comes with maturity as well, with him as well. We, you know, we, you know, it's, it's difficult to just sort of look at him and just say he's just, you know, so, sometimes we do get, like, like Conroy said, sometimes there's elements of, of, uh, of Salah where we think he's very selfish and he's thinking about himself only and, you know, or, or, or not only selfish, but sometimes he feels so frustrated and he feels as though he has to do everything himself. There were stages last season when there was sort of, Bodies everywhere around him, right? Injuries, players pulling out and literally him having to carry us at times. So there is that side of him where, you know, he knows sometimes the responsibility and he's spoken about it as well. You know, he speaks about how the responsibility, like if I miss, you know, everyone goes mad, you know, you know, he kind of hinted like, you know, it's not only me. You know, but now you see a total different maturity to him. And it comes, it comes with experience, maturity, feeling in the comfort zone in terms of the club, his surroundings and the reputation between his teammates. It's, 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 it's so obvious to see, you know, what, what kind of reputation, what they think of him. You know, they actually, you know, think of him on a level with Virgil van Dijk and absolutely fucking right to do so as well. So I think he, you're absolutely right. He's in his comfort zone. He feels secure now, as Sean, says, you know, the new contract should be tied up and and you know the the guy is looking to spend the rest of his career it seems um and the best years of his career because we've had him for the last was it four seasons now three four four seasons um yeah this is fifth uh, season fifth season and 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 to and to keep it's an underrated thing to keep your best hold of your best players how many times did we say oh his final destination is probably madrid or or spain or whatever but it looks like we're going to keep him and, and that's that's amazing I, I I think it's I I genuinely I felt it was a lot more of a freedom to what they were doing yesterday. We weren't snatching your stuff. Didn't look like this chance is the chance, and you know 
everything else that's going on in the team has to be taken. I thought it was a little bit of that yesterday, but look, he, he makes a 3 0 and it's a brilliant. And, and the, the, the way they're singing his song as he takes that touch, which is a sublime touch, by the way, is <clears> literally <throat> I, just I'm putting it there for myself. And, and the keeper gets a bit of stick again, but I think I don't think he sees it until it's past him because wherever way the defender's coming across from the original ball that comes in. I think two defenders need to get in his way and Salah's put it right in that gap and from the reaction of the goalkeeper I think he's literally gone it's at his hand before he can even he can even get a reaction but to see Salah that happy um, is absolutely brilliant and hopefully um, with regards to the contract that's all sorted out and we give him another well, give him fucking six or seven I don't care what you give him um, he's that good that's that's genuine but I want to finish off on a couple of players and then we'll we'll do a, a man of the match and then we'll if any other business we have we'll, we'll fix that up before we go we'll try gets it done in the next 15-20 minutes and we get out of here and let people get on with their life but I'm going to go back to Naby Keita alright I want to go back to Naby Keita because again he splits opinion yesterday Um, he splits opinion yesterday with regards to his, his game and what he done and and you know how he performed and stuff like that. And I'm going to I'm going to give my opinion on Naby Keita first and then you can all barrel in and, and say what you like but I said last week or the week before that I feel that, and Conroy kind of touched on it, that Liverpool might not be getting out of Naby Keita what they believed that they were going to get, i.e. a fella that slaloms down the pitch with the ball and, you know, gets beyond forwards and stuff like that, and it's just not happening. But I, I, I genuinely think that a bit of Liverpool and a bit of Naby Keita have kind of met in the middle here, and Keita is actually becoming more of a Liverpool midfielder than that maybe we thought he was going to be. And what I mean by that is what what he's doing on the pitch is what you're used to seeing Liverpool midfielders doing on the pitch. So to expect him to be doing the stuff you thought he was going to do when he arrived is probably a bit out there now at this stage. But for me yesterday, I thought Naby Keita pressed really well. I thought he, like Shani said, I thought he looked after Simakas really well. He held onto the ball quite well. Um, he done everything that I would expect from a Liverpool midfielder, the way we play. And I think that's a really promising thing. That, that we've seen from Naby Keita yesterday. Conroy, Naby Keita, um, how do you feel he, he got on? Because genuinely, I think he was our best starting midfielder yesterday. No, I thought he was, he was really good. I think you covered most of it there, Gav. Um, I feel like... Uh, he usually, he usually does in his questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I did no, say I was going to get my opinion it. forced. You'll get used no, to it. No, it was, no, but I, I agree with most of it. What I would say is uh, I'm not... I've been on the Keita train a few times. I start every season or... Or, you know, he maybe has a few, or he's coming back, this is his chance. Um, at times, I've been a bit, you know, going into the games of season and pre-season, not falling for it again because this has happened before. This is Groundhog Day. But you know what? Fair play to him. Yesterday, I thought, as you said, it looks like he's maybe kind of changing in that midfielder now. And, and and you might say that that's maybe not a... It's a good thing now because Genie's left, but maybe that's, that's not what the 60 million was for originally. However, he's there... And the way our model is, it's better to, to if you can use him to do that instead of uh, bringing another body in and having to spend forty million. Then fair enough. But honestly, I thought yesterday it, it was it was really good. I thought even like at times the triangles in midfield was quite good retaining it, as you said, helping Shimikas out as well. Because I don't know, you probably get on to speak about Shimikas, but being his first game as well, first Premier League start. Actually, I, I would agree. I thought it was the best midfielder yesterday. I thought he'd, he'd done. I think some of the ratings were, were seen as about you know six or seven. I, I thought he actually was about eight. I thought ninety five percent possession was really good. 
And yeah, if he can do that for the rest of the season and be a, a valuable option to our midfield and stay fit, I'd be ecstatic. However, I'm not going to say well just yet because I feel like we've seen this before. We've seen, we've had promising signs before from Keita and it doesn't always go that way. So that's all I would say on it. Free Worldy is asking, am I serious? Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely serious. I'm absolutely serious. I don't think Ox was anyway good yesterday. Um, it, it just didn't work for him. I thought Milner had done... Milner kind of done everything you would ask from but I thought all round I thought Keita offered probably the most you know and that's probably it's probably an unfair comparison with Keita and and Milner because Milner's probably sitting that deeper and Keita's you know playing off that left hand side but I thought overall when you looked at the influence he had in the game the way he moved the ball protected the ball walked back I, yeah I, I, I didn't see anything wrong with Keita and, and I Jen yeah I do I, I stand by it I think he was probably our best start midfielder yesterday Um for me, but but look, you've every right to disagree, free worldy. Like that's that's what we're here for. It's all about opinion. Shawnee, am I off me rocker thinking that Naby Keita was our best starting midfielder yesterday? No, I thought I thought he was very good. I thought he was very effective. I think he looked like he did exactly what he was asked to do, and you can't really ask for for more than that. It was a it was a very genie performance, actually. I thought from him, it was safe at times. Um, which is unlike him because he does, you know, you know, he does like to drop the shoulder and be more progressive and try break lines with his passing. But I thought, look, there you go. Conservative discipline control. Oh, I think that sums it up perfectly. And I have absolutely no issue with Navi to being that type of midfielder because once he can stay fit, that's the big one for me. The big thing for me is he played 80 minutes and he, he was taken off by a decision of the manager. It wasn't forced. Uh, he looked strong. He looked fit. And that's all. That's all we can come to expect from Naby. I'm not gonna hang me hopes on him that he's gonna play any more than 25, 30 league games this season. If he does, it's an absolute bonus. But it, it's great to have a player like Naby Keita in your squad, fit and ready to play. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. Um, and and like I said, I, I, I'm I'm starting to look at Naby Keita in a different way. I'm starting to look from and not comparing them to Genie Wijnaldum or or Jordan Henderson and what they do, but if he does a bit more of what they do, I'm I'm willing to let go of you know what you're expecting from him with these marauding runs forward and stuff like that. I think he suit it would suit him and it would suit Liverpool a lot more if he actually kind of turns and and, and evolves into that sort of player for us. And if it keeps him on the pitch, it's a bonus. Grizz, you're at the match, you're watching it, and you know you even with people around you, you know, when you're at Anfield or away games, wherever it might be, any game of football, standing in a park watching with a few people, you'll always get a sense of how players are doing by, by the people around you and what they're saying. What what sort of what sort of feedback were you getting um, from people? Were, well, not feedback, we weren't asking questions, I presume, but what what sort of feelings were you getting around Naby Keita <laughs> in the ground? Like, I'm, I'm not saying you're walking around Carroll Oak, what do you think of that? <laughs> yeah, no, don't, don't, don't put it, don't put it past me, you know, my moments like that. But listen, um, <laughs> Nabi, yeah, look, pretty much exactly what you guys have said. The, the feeling around was, look, it is a generally on the whole, uh, a last chance saloon for the likes of Nabi and Ox. Um, Jurgen Klopp has shown Im, uh, uh, an immense amount of faith in this in this fella. He believes in this fella. He's refused bids for this fella. He he absolutely wants this fella to succeed. Um, we've often touched about touched on sort of the fitness people that have been brought in, almost specifically in in, in mind of Keita to trying to cure and fix this guy. He looks strong, Gav. Um, I spoke about it on on, on um, 
which show did we do during the week? I think it was on the own about in terms of I seen something or was it the one Phil was on? I, th- I can't remember which show it was. I think it was last week's Fatback 4 that he's shown me a total different um, Nabi Keita in, in certain aspects. So we know his quality on the ball. We know his um, his touch, his vision, but his, but his um, and even his pressing, we, we know he's quite an intense presser. But in terms of covering his fullback and positionally, and you spoke about covering Simikas, it was absolutely the job Gini Wijnaldum used to do. It was like a cog. You know, we often talk about our midfielders being cogs in a machine, and he was finally that one of those cogs. Now, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Of course, everybody wants to do the tricks and the stepovers, and they want their mid their eights to be Iniesta's or whatever. He's got the capability of, of doing some of those things Iniesta does. But in this team, in this moment, under this manager, he needs to do what the manager does. He needs to be um, almost a yes man for Jurgen Klopp because it's been proven that our system works. It wins us Champions Leagues. It wins us Premier Leagues. It gets us to 90. How many points when we didn't win the leagues? 97. 97 points. So Jurgen Klopp's formation, Jurgen Klopp's tactics, Jurgen Klopp's requirements of a midfielder are very specific. And we we, we finally saw that Naby Keita can do those. And um, look, fingers crossed, touch wood, everything that you believe in or or whatever, positivity all around that he he, he has a, he has an injury-free season. And then we won't feel the absence of a Gini Wijnaldum at all. Because in my humble opinion, again, I think he has more to his game than Gini as well. So once he, once he, once he's able to reproduce this, this, this style of play uh, on a consistent basis, then his natural flair in certain situations will come out as well and it's only a positive for Liverpool yeah um, John McLean um, the guy from the Nakatomi says Klopp looked at Naby like a long lost son when he took him off yesterday and look regardless of what you think of Naby Keita you know and whether you like him don't like him think he played well or think he didn't to see him on a pitch and being able to play 80 minutes and come off under his own steam you know rather than being you know he needs to come off because he's injured I think is a good thing regardless of what you, what you feel about him I'm I'm still on the fence from I think he has all the attributes to be a brilliant Liverpool player um, I'm I'm really contributing to this team this year and, go, and going forward as well but I still have that in the back of my mind about um, how robust he is and there was a comment there about his return from the international break. We'll see exactly where we are because he's notorious for going off and, and, and being probably mistreated when he goes off um, an international breaks and comes back and then there's, then there's an issue, you know, that sort of way. But overall, look, Kate had done the job yesterday and, and we're not, I'm, not, I'm not in particular looking for him to, you know, pull up trees week in and week out. But from what you're seeing yesterday, um, he was robust, strong, got around the pitch, passed, held off players, won it back. That's all you want, my feeler. You know, and if, if anything extra comes on top of that, great. And if he keeps fit, I think I think you will see an improvement in Navi Keita. And I think you'll see more of an influence over this side from Navi Keita as we go on. So fingers crossed, he does all right. Um, Shawnee, I want to come back to you. Um, Costas Simakas, who we know had a tough time last season with regards to COVID and uh, injury and all that sort of stuff. But, he, Andy Robertson, unfortunately, gets injured in, in pre-season. And, you know, he we know he's going to step in. We know he's going to play left-back. And um, he steps in yesterday. And, and I thought he had a, a decent game, Shawnee, because he's looked good in pre-season, but this is a whole different ball game, Premier League football and the intensity. But I think he done all right. Yeah. Um, I think it was 
the perfect backup left back performance, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a perfect second choice step in deputy to Robertson performance. That's exactly what he was signed to do. I thought he was very effective on what he done. And look, he's had a tough year last year, and look, he could probably look for a way out because he came from the champions in Greece as Olympia because I think he was player of the year there before he left. So he would have expected to be playing at least last year and he never got the chance due to COVID and injury and just the state of our back four at times last year where Klopp wasn't actually able to trust him. But I thought he was very good yesterday, very effective and what he'd done. He had a couple of moments where he was maybe a little bit shaky and indecisive and but yeah. he, he gets a slap in the face off Milner and it's all good, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought... I thought he was very good. I think he showed exactly what he showed in pre-season. The best thing for me, though, Simicas is he's very similar to Robinson, so we don't need to change system to accommodate him. We can literally play a natural game with him in the side because he's very similar to Robinson, although he's not at the same quality. He's good at doing the same things. He's good at getting in behind. He's good at providing uh, attacking threat down the left-hand side. He's well able to whip a ball. He whips a, a really, really good ball in in the in the in the first half and nearly ends up as a goal. I think Mane gets on the end of it. So, look, if Simicast is in for the first four or five Premier League games, I would have absolutely no quarrels. Um, he's put me on rest that he's not another Moreno. He is capable, and I'm delighted that we have him now. I'm just uh, similar to Naby. I hope he can stay fit this year and really prove his worth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Grizz, a uh, quote here from Klopp with regards to Costa Simicas. He says, very good, very good. I would say for at least 80 minutes, very good. Played good, was involved in all the offensive stuff, defended well. Then obviously someone pulled the plug a little bit. That's a normal after long, after lo- that long a period. So it was a really good debut from the start in an away game. He played re- a really good game. That's fair, isn't it? Yeah, it's fair, but it's but it's also expected, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um to, to to do what he was doing for 90 minutes, a lot of nervous energy. You've got to remember, he was trying to replicate Andrew Robertson, and it's not easy. We know Andrew Robertson's not real. Not many people can do what Andrew Robertson does for 90-plus minutes sometimes. Um, but I tell you what, this guy was... And again... Shout out to our recruitment team, guys, our analysis and analytics teams to find the carbon copy or style of player, the attributes of a Robertson. Um, obviously, we're going to struggle to find someone for, for Trent's uh, understudy, to be a Trent's understudy. Um, you know, we just spoke about once in a generation type player for, for there. But, um, and I'm going to do a hot take and a big shout as well. Uh, You couldn't let let Shani have his day on his own. Go on. No, I I actually think Simicas has more going forward than Andrew Robertson. Um, And the reason why I say that is because of his dribbling ability. Conroy's Scottish fume is absolutely ready to blow here. Of course, of course, of course, he's going to defend his brave heart. (laughs) We know that. But, but, um, But Andrew Robertson for sure is 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 far more the complete fullback and we know that um that's not the that's not the hot that's not the hot take part the hot take part is going forward i think simicas has more to his game i think his delivery and i think his uh, ability to d- dribble robertson 
you know, his right foot is is literally non-existent. This fella um, has a has a very strong right foot as well, and and a couple of times I've seen him during the preseason as well. He can take on a man and dribbles past players, and his delivery is immaculate. His defensive side will come. It will absolutely come. His stamina will be improved. His concentration, powers of concentration, where he nearly gives the ball away and, and everyone bollocks him and, and Milner slaps him up and all sorts. But it's, it's all part parcel of the game. Um, the rest of his game will come. But I genuinely think he's, he's an absolute gem. He's an absolute gem and a, and a snip at, what, 12 million it was or something? You see him standing over free kicks as well, which is another dimension to his game. Like you see him standing, he, he's not afraid to have a pop. You'll see him standing around them with, with Trent. So he obviously has that in his locker. You know what I mean? And he was taking corners and set pieces. Confidence there. levels. Shawnee, confidence levels. Big his confidence is, and you need that to be a Liverpool player. You yeah. know, his, he, do you remember we had Albert, Alberto Moreno who, who was the opposite, shied away from challenges, shied yeah. away from making the big calls and decisions and in, in attacking moves where he could have. He had the physical attribute to bomb on or whatever, but he was not brave enough or not. This guy is a fighter. You can see he's an absolute street. Very much again, like in the mold of Andrew Robertson, but obviously not as polished, you know, not, not, not in the same class here as a defender. But the attributes going forward is absolutely what Klopp's looking for. Again, a perfect backup in that, like, mm. I don't know what people are. When we're not City, we we can't stockpile 60 million the left backs on our bench. So, like Grace says, the profile, a, a, a left back cover with all of the qualities that Andrew Robinson has to be able to come in there. Who's got Champions League experience? Who's got title winning experience in Greece? It's great business, and it's just a shame and he never got to feature more next year. But again, he's getting his chance now, and again. Just a great player to have around your squad. He is a great player to have around your squad. And that's what you're probably looking at right back. And that's why you have the concerns with regards to Nico Williams um, covering Trent. And in my opinion, Joe Gomez covering Trent. Conor, I'm going to let you in here because I know you're fuming. Um, no, I'm not, is, I'm not fuming. Chris is called um, out the Scottish captain as not as good it's as not, some It's not that. It's, see, because I'm Scottish, <laughs> I've, I've analysed Andrew Robertson's game for a long time. And the pet hate is when people say it's a fairy tale because that's the biggest myth going. The guy has earned his stripes to get where he's got. And he's, if anything, he's done more in his career than a lot of professionals ever dream of because they've not had to rise like he has. Queen's Park, I'm not going to go through it, but under 17, literally working at the Scottish National Stadium part-time. We've heard about it hundreds of times. The thing with me, Andrew Robertson, is see if you watch Trent, maybe even when we won the league as well, Trent's not a cross-merchant, but Trent sometimes has just put balls in quite a lot during games, where for me, I always, I always think quite Andy Robertson's stats are so high for chances created is because I do think he's more calculated. He doesn't actually cross that often during a game. He tries to find the pass and that's why I think he's more measured. What I would say to the dribbling thing is I would agree because obviously in the Scottish national team, I'd say probably the best left back there now for dribbling is Tierney because Tierney beats his man more often than not. But the thing is with Robertson is we maintain possession and he's he's looking for the, you know, like Shemekasi's 1-2 in the preseason. That's what Robertson's looking for. He's either going to come inside or he's looking for the 1-2 to get in so he can cross it. But he doesn't just put it in for the sake. And I feel like there's a lot of really good attacking left backs in the world Shemakas being one of them, but I, I agree they're similar, Grez, but I actually think there's quite a few who are probably, I wouldn't say dribbling, like beating men as robos. He's not bad at it, but there's there's better. For me, I just think he's more measured, and that's why he, he always seems to get quite high in the chances created. 
But the one thing I would say is, remember when Andy Robertson started against Crystal Palace, he had like a, it was a great debut, you know, running to challenge everything. That's not really what happened after that. He got dropped from Milner because he wasn't he wasn't defending the half spaces correctly. So I feel like if Shimakas wants to get to that level, his intelligence of defending has to get to the level because for me, Robertson does not get enough credit defensively. He nice. barely gets beat down his side ever and you never hear about it. It's like, I heard last season, listen, Luke Shaw was terrific last season. It's not a comparison, but and Robertson wasn't better. But he just for me, it just it just is a given how good he is defensively. And I, I don't think that's really fair. Um, but yeah, Grizz, I, I get what you're saying. I would say dribbling-wise, Shimikas offers is a little bit different because he will take the man on, whereas I think Robo's just a bit more measured. But it's great to have them. It's great to have them in the team as well. And and we're playing a back four. We're not even playing a back five. And we're still have full-backs, as you say, with Trent and, and Robo or Shimikas who get up there. Right-back-wise, we should have kept Klein. I've said that, but that's that was just my opinion on that. We let, we let one go with, with, with Klein. Um, but yeah, overall, Grizz, I don't think it's a crazy take, mate. I feel like um, Shimikas is, I watched him for Olympiacos and he looked good. And if we could get him, as, as Sean says, to stay fit for the season. But when it comes to him versus Robbo, I'm always going to say Robbo. Because just for the chances created, it's actually crazy how he always managed to stay up at that level. But it's, a, but it's a different, you know, it's a squad game. And and you can compare them because, you know, Grizz says there, like, he feels he's more going forward. And there is a thing about Andy Robertson and dead balls, because if you actually watch Andy Robertson, um, there's one away at Chelsea. Um, was it last season? We, we beat Chelsea 2-1. Firmino's header. Yeah. Trent does the, uh, the back heel. Trent does the back heel. And apparently Robertson asks him to do that for the simple reason yeah. he likes to hit a moving ball rather than a, a dead ball. So, you know, you could argue there that Simicast is just more natural at, you know, hitting crosses, whether it's the ball's dead, running away from him towards whatever it might be. But I think you're right, there is a calculation in, in, in what Robertson does because he does look for that pass to Mane or, or back to a midfield and then he, and we recycle and Robertson's always looking to get in behind because the amount of times Robertson's put on the play for Salah is unbelievable. That's- you know, you are making me miss Robertson when I hadn't been. So just shut up. <laughs> no, but no, but he is brilliant. Like you, you think of that 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 goal against City, where Trent hits it to Robbo, Robbo puts it on Salah, and Salah heads it in. You know, it, his it's crosses quite, for it's, Jota last year against um, what was the game at Anfield? Jesus, oh, slipping my mind. There. Sheffield United. No, 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 was that was that Wolves? Was that Wolves when he when he beat Wolves. the the man inside? Leicester, and no, Leicester. Leicester, Leicester, yeah, Leicester, yeah. yeah. He, Albrighton, it, he, cut, he beats Albrighton inside, yeah. It's just a paintbrush. Like he, yeah. he doesn't whack the ball. It's just the pain, first time balls coming into him. He just paintbrushed. That don't that. It's great that we have them both. But shut up about Robinson because I'm making me missing him now. When <laughs> no, I'm, no, he'd no, be back. No, no, he'd be, no, listen, sh- sh- he'd be back. He'd be back in no time. But Laura Duffy says eleven point seven four for Costas, eight million for Rubble, less than twenty million on our two left backs. Most teams spend more than twenty million for one left back. That's oh. nowhere near as good. As <laughs> I think it's more than twenty million at this rate. You know Fifty I mean? million for a yeah, left back. But there you go. <laughs> um, let me see. Uh, so yeah, we just wanted to talk about Naby. We wanted to talk about. Um, Simakas as well but look we've got through Salah we've talked for me and we've talked most of the players on the pitch there yesterday in fairness um, man of the match lads before we go uh, Shawnee man of the match please uh, for me Mo Salah uh, killer two goals or two assists a goal and a special mention to John Matip who was imperious and mm. as long as them two boys are fit at the back all the best yeah, absolutely. All the uh, best. All the best. <laughs> uh, Grizz, man of the match for you? Yeah, you can't argue. No hot takes there. 
Mo Salah. I'll, I'll listen. I'll listen. No, <laughs> yeah. Mo Salah, uh, again, I was, I was in awe of Joe Matip, honestly. My, my, my love and appreciation of him just grows every time you see him play. Yeah, he's 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 just a fen- he's just a phenomenal footballer. Conor, are you going against either of these lads, or are you stick with Mo Salah? No, I'm going to say Salah because obviously two assists and a goal. And um, when you watch the highlights, you probably think, how could it not be? So it's going to be Salah. But I would say I've got to be honest. I don't know what it is about Diogo Jota, but he's not technically on. Un- he's just so effective. He just seems to. Like when he's on the park, stuff happens. He's either you know for a, he's not a tall guy, he heads the ball. Just for a shout out to Jota, I feel like if he we, he can be fit, I just feel like we're, we're on the, the you know the the fat back four. But really, it's the fab four this season, and it's Jota. I just feel like he's not even close to the ceiling he can get to. I, I just I, I think as he's a bit of a sponge. I do think he's quite intelligent, and it was just a shout out to his movement. I feel like you're right, Grizz, he needs to improve certain things, but when it comes to like runs and creating space for Manny and Salah, especially like, if you remember the Leipzig game last season when he drops into the 10 spot to create the space, I just shout out to him. I, every time I watch him, I just he, I want to re-watch he, his movement. Fascinating. He, he was on the verge of scoring one of the best Premier League goals I've ever seen until <laughs> yeah, Campbell but, chopped him down. He, he downed the two boys. I see people chowing in the chat there. Alison, I'm going to give a shout out to Alison for a save at the end and then he flicks the ball out to Trent like they're playing basketball in fucking Kirby having a having a joke like he just palms her up and just flicks her out with him again how elite is he like guys the best part guys the one I'm of the best horny. part I'm getting so horny with the, the, <laughs> all the boys I'm relax, relax, it's one of the best parts was when we were coasting, like it was a 2 0. And then he comes up to the halfway line, and everyone everyone tells him to get in the box. Get in the box. <laughs> Shang Allison to get in the box. The whole fan, and he laughed and he waved. Oh, brilliant. No, he was, um, it, it was a brilliant save. And, you know, his reactive. He, he, he takes a risk on where the fella is going and, and, and guesses right. But then he's up quick. And then he's, you know, and then he reacts. And then he does get that palm out, and, and Trent clears. But, you know, He's so he's so he must be so intimidating goal because that guy is fucking five yards out with the whole goal to hit, and you could see him kind of going, "Where the fuck will I put it?" But um, Kev, you no. talk about intimidation, Kev. You talk about intimidation. You're absolutely spot on. It reminded me of the Roma save. Do you remember in the Champions League? Um, Napoli, yeah. Napoli, Napoli. I beg your pardon, mm-hmm. and yeah, that got us through. But you know, talk, you talk about intimidation. Imagine the inti- imagine the intimidation when when we get Hendo and Thiago back as well and add them to this squad as well and Fabinho imagine, starts as well. Imagine to throw Kanate in there as well. <laughs> yeah, so we're back to that, and Sean you said it at the start where it's giving you the the, the vibes of the twenty twenty one, nineteen twenty nineteen twenty, where we we intimidated teams like the Fergie United did and the Mourinho Chelsea did. We want to get back to that levels, and I saw. It's only Norwich. It's the first game week, but I saw glimpses of that game. Yeah. Uh, John McLean comes back and says, Robertson asked Trent to move the ball against Chelsea, so we changed the angle, Gav. He did, but there was also another quote around that time where yeah, he said... Yeah, there, there is. He said that a few times. Yeah, it changes the angle, but I like, well. I like hitting the moving ball. So we walked both ways for him. Um, it changed an angle, but the ball's actually moving and he's running onto it rather than a, than, a, than a dead ball. Because I remember it was very interesting to read at the time. So um, yeah, look, it's just it's just a small little thing. But um, my man of the match, you have to give it to Salah. 
just ridiculous. He's absolutely ridiculous. But there was so many, I think so many done quite well for what's the first game of the season. Um, and we've had, you can, you can have a mad games of the season, especially at the start when players aren't fully fit. And if it gets to 70 and it's tight, as I said, anything can happen because people are getting tired. Like Virgil looked tired for me, um, in the last 15 or so yesterday, which is understandable. And other players did as well, but, um, our subs worked really, really well for me and, and, and got us, comfortably over the line in the end so I give it to Salah but like I think Sean he said um, Matip definitely gets a mention I thought he was immaculate yesterday um, in everything he done from start to finish and, and again when you have the likes of Virgil beside you you have Trent beside you and there's a familiarity there with the goalkeeper behind you as well that that brings you on 5-10% so I think that's a huge thing um, Sean anything else before we go? No just no. delighted to have the football back Good. Getting over to Anfield next week, which I actually can't wait. It's sort of like the build up to Christmas week for me now. Yeah. You'll really be skipping around the place, won't you? Shaking hands with oh, everyone and all and saying. The boat is at a half two. I might start swimming at 10 o'clock Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> Just to burn up a bit of adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And it's great to have the football back. and Obviously, great to be just talking about football and not transfers all the time. Really, it's something that I much prefer is real football. Yeah, it's um, it is, and uh, like even this week we've been looking at trips to Liverpool and organising them for this season, and it's great to be doing that again. You know, I'm using I'm using Ryanair vouchers that I have since you know May 2020 because everything got cancelled, and um, but booking booking their uh, flights and sorting tickets and hotels and all the great buzz when we're back doing that. Um, Conroy, anything else before we go? Great show, by the way. You don't really know oh, people like you. Oh. Absolutely. Well, thanks very much. Um, pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I just uh, add to the Joe Matip. Um, I feel like see if Joe it was more fashionable. Joe Matip would definitely let you know be pushed more as as the the calibre centre back that he actually is. But because as Greg says, he's a bit weird. But I actually think he might be one of my favourite footballers ever. Like he's just he's just so different and so doesn't take himself seriously. But when it comes yeah, to defending, some of, some of the clips of him when he's just waving at stuff and all is absolutely amazing. But he, he's up there, Gav. He's actually up there. He might be one of my favourites because yeah. he's just like I've never seen anything like it, and I feel like sometimes it, it doesn't suit the narrative. But if you can get a fit Joe Matip, Kinati might be on the bench most of the season, and I know that sounds a bit crazy because we've just signed them, but Matip just seems to—he's never had a problem with actually just coming in and playing. It just seems to be his fitness or his body. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just wanted to add to the Matip field. What a defender. The guy is ridiculous. Yeah, he really is. Um, is. Grizz, anything else before we go? Uh, no, I think we've covered everything. Um, yeah, just uh, just keep an eye on the on the Liverpool news tomorrow. Should be some news about Henderson agreeing a new deal. So keep an eye on that, folks. Are you saying up to do my walk tomorrow? You may have to give. Right, okay. If you, can do, if you can announce it around half nine, the boys can cover it at ten. Absolutely, yeah. I'd be happy with that. But if needs be, we'll come on and do some sort of reaction to a Henderson contract if people want to come um, at some stage tomorrow when we get a chance and if it is um, announced. Uh, Chris Brack uh, with the final comment of the show says Sienna Steps. Absolutely. Um, in the show description, you will find everything you need to know about Sienna Steps. If you would like to donate one euro, you can click on the link in the description and we, you can buy a virtual C for Anfield. We're trying to sell it out virtually at one euro a ticket. Sienna has until November to raise, I think it's 
57,000 we're trying to raise in 11, 10, 11 weeks now. So you can absolutely do it that way. If you want to do it a different way, you can go into the in the description again and you will find um, the link to her GoFundMe and you can go in there and donate wherever you want in, in, in there as well. But we're trying our absolute best to not only promote this by these shows, we're asking other podcasts to promote it, um, you know, people in the media um, any celebrity you know if you, if, if you live next door to a celebrity knock on the door and say listen you wouldn't give that a shout out because uh, this is a girl this is a, a three year old girl um, that needs this treatment um, to walk basically um, it's it's a form of cerebral palsy and if she gets this treatment in St. Louis in November it will help her to walk unaided um, now and for the rest of her life and you know she can go to school normally like everyone else she won't need any sort of help to go there so it's a, it's a big thing for us so um if you can donate great um if you can buy a ticket great but if you can't just spread the word just keep spreading the word and every time you spread the word and get other people to spread the word we hope to get to that target hopefully by november um and help her out but that's been the fat back for um i hope you all enjoyed it people are asking if there any transfer news nothing's happened can't I don't know. I haven't heard a team. I haven't even heard a name being mentioned. I think if anyone remember the nights when you used to go down in Melwood had all the lights turned off um at like in at four o'clock in the day on transfer deadline day, they could have just done that. Say, no, nah, we're not doing any more. But we'll see what happens. There's still plenty of time. You know, you've seen deals happen in twenty four hours, so there's plenty of time and um I still think Liverpool will bring in one or two. That's just that's just my opinion on it. But that has been the Fatback Four. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks for staying with us. Loads of people watching, loads of people liking. Um on your way out if you want to hit a like go and do that subscribe if you haven't already thanks a million to Shawnee thanks to Conroy thanks to Grizz it's been a really really good show the Reds are back fans are back wins are back Virgil's back Salah's doing whatever he wants because that's what Salah does over and out Sports Social Podcast Network